Hello and welcome to the Hopecast with Rachel Flick. Rachel is a speaker, inspirational author, and an overcomer. As Rachel is walking through her own journey of grief, she's challenging others to persevere and overcome their own circumstances. Find out more at rachelflick.com. Here now is your host, Rachel Flick. Hi, friends. Thank you so much again for coming and joining me here on the Hopecast with Rachel Flick. I'm Rachel Flick, and I'm going to do part two of my interview with blogger, author, mom, and mentor of amazingness, Kirsten Samuel. Um, And I will say that if you did not catch part one of this interview, you have to go back because Kirsten and her husband Dave's story and their testimony is so powerful and impactful. You don't want to miss it. And if the Hopecast is blessing you and bringing value to your life, will you do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite hosting platform? That would be so incredible. And it allows the content on the Hopecast to get out to more people so it can help them. Welcome back, Kirsten. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Rachel. It's great to be here. You are amazing. Oh my goodness. I just loved our time last week when we got to talk about your experience and just what you allowed God to do with your story. I recognize this in myself as a widow that I have the opportunity to take that pain and I can harden my heart and I can become angry with mm-hmm. God. And it's okay to be angry with God. Mm-hmm. He can take it, you guys. Mm-hmm. He really can. Kirsten described what that looked like to seek God, that it looked like her running to her daddy and crashing into his knees and telling him all the things that she was mad about. And so it is okay to be angry with God in your pain. That is a healthier response Mm -hmm. than shutting down and avoiding him. Or you can take the other route and you can become humble and soft and allow him to transform you. And Kirsten and Dave are a beautiful example of how they have allowed the Lord into their story. Yes. The first part of what we talked about last time, you know, with the stable is the first one is seek God. Mm -hmm. And then the second one is tell the truth. And that's that's one of the harder ones, mm-hmm. um, is to taking tell the truth. Ownership. Taking and, and then that's A, then is accept oh, accountability. Sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> they lead into each other. They do. Um, because, you know, you have to tell the truth first to yourself and about yourself. You do that before you can talk to someone else and start speaking truth to them. Because if we aren't true here, if we aren't true with, in ourselves, we can't be truthful with other people. Hmm. And then A is, is accept accountability. Now, most people, Rachel, would define accountability how? I would say that you take ownership and responsibility for your behavior and you give permission to someone else to allow you or to allow them into your story where they can ask you. And it's not a secret. It's mm-hmm. no longer hidden because things have power over us in secret. Mm-hmm. And so it's bringing in light and revelation into um, spaces where you're struggling. Right. Exactly. And that goes back to the T of telling the truth. Mm. But accountability, we have this misnomer uh, in society today that somebody can hold you accountable. That's not true. Okay. Because the only person you can hold accountable is yourself. Mm. You have to enable them. You have to give them permission. You have to give them permission. Yes. But even when you give them permission to speak truth into your life, we're going back to the T, Mm -hmm. they can't hold you accountable because you still have to make the decision 
to do what you said you were going to do. Mm. So the only person that can hold you accountable is you. So you have to accept, you have to own That's some your serious actions. ownership right there. That's that victim, serious, yep. you have got to break up with that internal victim. That internal victim. Are you going to live as a victim mm-hmm. or are you going to live as a victor? Absolutely. You know, a victim focuses on blame, excuses, and denial. Hmm. And a victor takes ownership, accountability, and responsibility. Whew, that was a mic drop right there. Can you say that one more time? Sure. A victim focuses on blame, excuses, and denial. Uh-huh. And a victor focuses on ownership, accountability, and responsibility. That is so good. So if you think about a victim, and this is what my coach taught me. Hmm. If you think about uh, being a victim, you lay in bed. Mm. You know, and you're focusing on blame, excuses, and denial. Mm-hmm. A victor is not in bed. They've grabbed their oar, and they're going for ownership, accountability, and responsibility. They're taking action. Did you guys catch that other acronym? Their oar, ownership, accountability, responsibility. Yeah. That was fabulous. <laughs> that makes me so happy. <laughs> so um, an exercise that I do with my coaching clients is a three-part exercise dealing with accountability and it is whenever a situation comes at you now we've been talking about when there's been wounds in a marriage emotional Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. emotional wounds those those kinds of things we are not talking about abuse i want to be very clear here abuse is a different whole different topic yes when there's abuse going on in a marriage that's a completely different thing but when you're talking about the wounds that most of us deal with in our marriage Mm -hmm. because we're human people there are three parts to this exercise is I tell people, grab a piece of paper, open a blank document on, a, on your computer or mm-hmm. d- digital device, whatever, and put three columns on it. Okay. The first column is control. What do I have control of? Mm-hmm. The second column is what can't I control? No mm-hmm. control is the title of that. So you have control, no control. What can I not control in this, whatever this thing is that's going on? Mm-hmm. And the third column is let go. Okay. So you have control, mm-hmm. no control, and let go. Now, if you are being honest, if we're going back to T, if you're telling the truth, that control column, pretty small. Yourself. Yourself. Your choices, your responses. Right. Pretty much every time. Every time. Mm-hmm. No control. There's going to be more in that column, mm-hmm. whatever the situation is, you know. Um, and then in let go are... You don't have control over it. You cannot impact it anyway. And and holding on to whatever that is, is just going to create more problems. You literally have to mentally and emotionally let it go. Mm. And sometimes it might even be physical. Okay. Do you have an example of that? Yes. When I'm with a group of women, when you're with a group of women, it's very easy for us women to... <laughs> We start talking about our husbands and, oh, my husband did this the other day, Mm. you know. And if you've got a woman there who, and I've been that woman, where I think, well, you don't know, you know, about what my husband has done. Mm -hmm. Um, And I look at you and I think, but you have such a good relationship with your husband. He's such a sweet guy. He comes Mm. across, you know, I've, you know, all of this stuff. And we start comparing ourselves to the other women. Well, we do that in every area of life as women. We are like lining each other up and trying to figure out if we're valuable enough in comparison. Right. 
What can you control mm-hmm. in this situation? When all the women are going on and on and they, and they start either to go into, well, my husband does this or my husband does this. And you're, you and your husband have just had a disagreement. And maybe it's been more than a disagreement. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at it and you're saying, well, my husband never does that. My husband never does this. You know, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And so what can you control in this situation? You can control your thoughts. You can control how you respond. Mm. And you can control your expectations. What you can't control, you cannot control your husband. I'm sorry. (laughs) You never can. Never. Never. You can't control Mm -hmm. what other women think about you. You cannot control what they're even telling you. Because you don't know if what they're telling you is the truth or not. Mm. You know? And what do you have to let go of? You have to let go of the false assumption that everything that they're telling you is truth, that their husbands are perfect, mm-hmm. that you can even change your husband. That's one that drives me crazy. Oh, yeah. I can't change anybody but me. Mm-hmm. So as we get into these situations, I had a situation just recently happen in my life where somebody, it was a fraudulent situation. Okay. Okay. So fraud has been actually happened against me. All right. And when it first happened, all of the emotions are going crazy. You know, I'm sitting here going, well, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, now what do I do? And You're in I the don't spin know. cycle. I'm in the spin cycle. And I had to stick that stick in there to stop mm-hmm. the cycle. Mm-hmm. And I, I went right back to this exercise. What can I control? What can't, what's where I have no control? And what do I have to let go? Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you're having these women having a conversation that can get kind of ugly, catty, husband bashing, yes, what are they releasing? The control of their husband's behavior? They are having to, yeah, they're releasing control of the husband's behavior. And when they go through this exercise, uh-huh. what do they get to control? They can control themselves. Uh-huh. They can control how they respond. But they can't control their husband's behavior. They can't control the other women. They can remove themselves from the situation with mm-hmm. those women. And if if this is kind of a toxic environment for mm-hmm. them, where these friendships are actually dragging them down and mm-hmm. not building them up, they can remove themselves mm-hmm. from those friendships. And sometimes, that's why I said, sometimes it's actually physical. You have to yeah. remove. Yeah. In that situation, what they can control is they can stop the cycle of the conversation by mm-hmm. simply changing it. Mm-hmm. Simply changing it. Mm-hmm. Such as, you know, everybody's bashing and, hey, you know, what's the, what's the best movie you've seen recently? Just boom. Full redirect. Just complete redirect. Full redirect. Full redirect. Yep. If it doesn't redirect, then sometimes, and I've done this, mm-hmm. I've had to walk away. Mm-hmm. I've had to say, you know, it's been great to see you all. But I'm going to leave now mm-hmm. because you don't need the toxic input. So that's part of accepting responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, owning your own accountability. Yes. And that, that control, let go, you know, no control, let go helps us sometimes in, if we're finding ourselves fall into that victim cycle, oh, it stops the spin mm. and it makes me take a step back and say, oh, and then I have freedom to walk away, to move away, mm-hmm. to not go down that path. Absolutely. That's going to put me back into victim mindset. Okay. So seek God, tell the truth, accountability. Right. B. B. Build healthy boundaries. All right. 
a lot of times when we discover that there's there's a break in the relationship, there's this problem, is because we don't know what healthy boundaries look like. Now, here's how I'm going to define it based on uh, learning some of this from Dr. Cloud and Townsend. They're pretty their, great. Their, they're pretty great. Yeah, if you guys haven't read Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud and John Townsend, you need to do it. Yep. It, it's, a, it's a key. It's an anchor book for yep. me. And that is, think of boundaries as you're standing on your property, and where does your property, physical property, end and your neighbors begin? Mm-hmm. That's a boundary right there. And so personally, when I think about establishing a healthy boundary, healthy boundaries are not punitive. Mm-hmm. They are always... It's not a way to punish the other it's person. It's not punishment. Because it's protection for yourself. Right. It's always self-focused. Mm-hmm. And and not negative self-focus. Mm-hmm. And this is where I said healthy boundaries. You can draw a boundary that's not healthy. Absolutely. But a healthy boundary is I respect myself enough that when we get into an argument, because we will, because we're human and we're living with another person, when we get into an argument, I am not going to lash out and make this personally about you Instead right. of the issue at hand. Right. So when that happens, I'm going I call to those ask for baby time boundaries. Out. I call those baby boundaries, okay. by the way, because I think when people are learning, they haven't really done it ever before. Mm-hmm. And in Christian culture, we're often taught that boundaries and love are separate ideas. Right. When truly they are aligned, very good friends mm-hmm. that when we love well, we have healthy boundaries. And right. so a lot of times when people are first learning how to do boundaries, it's kind of aggressive. It's kind <laughs> of like, here's my line, yeah. you know? And so Kirsten's teaching us boundaries 2.0. Yeah. And I, I equate a healthy boundary as a, as a um, split rail fence. Mm. Okay. For me, if somebody says draw a line in the sand, I look at that and go, so what? Mm -hmm. I can jump over that and the water's going to come and erase it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's not a boundary. All right. To me, that's a don't you do this Mm. type thing. Kind of like a warning, like, yeah, time to turn the TV off with your kid when you have no intent of following through. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it's, it's meaningless Mm -hmm. to me. Um, Then you have, you have the split rail fence, which we'll come back to, but then you have the concrete wall. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's up six feet tall. Um, It's really not going to keep somebody out if they're determined to get in, Mm -hmm. but it's going to slow them down. It's going to keep you in. It's going to keep me in. Like it's very isolating. Right. Because it blocks my vision. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it's not going to keep somebody out if they're determined to come in. It's going to slow them down. Yeah. That would definitely be like the victim controller cycle and the attachment theory where um, that's a very dysfunctional relationship if someone is blasting their way through your cement wall. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we have barbed wire. Okay. You can still get through it. You can see through it, but boy, you're going to get pricked and hurt, Mm -hmm. you know, coming through that thing. Mm -hmm. So it's not friendly. Mm -hmm. It's really meant to hurt you, Mm -hmm. to hurt the other person. Mm -hmm. So it's still self-protective, Yeah. but it's really meant to cause harm to another. Mm. And then I look out and because of where we live, I look out and I see the mountains. Okay. In order, if I establish that kind of a boundary, I am really saying to you, I want you as far away from you, from me as you possibly can be. And I am going to make it as hard as possible for you to get anywhere near me. You are dead to me. You are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You are just, I've got you. Yep. You know, but a split rail fence is one, it's nice to look at. Mm -hmm. Two, you can see through it. 
you can stand one on each side of the other and mm-hmm. you can actually have contact with the other person and mm-hmm. you're not going to get harmed like with a barbed wire right you know but it says this is where i end and this is where you begin mm-hmm. but i want to have community with you mm-hmm. so in some ways it's welcoming yes so those are the kind of the three, the five little boundary Im- images that I have in my head. Mm-hmm. And, and when we begin to build healthy boundaries with another person, whether it is your spouse, whether mm-hmm. it is your sister, whether it is a family member, a friend, whatever, we need to think about what are we doing that is welcoming, mm-hmm. but also says, this is where I end. Mm-hmm. Could you give the listeners an example of a split rail fence type of boundary, which is attractive and kind and acknowledges the other person, but still is protective of yourself? Yes. When a lot of times we speak very harshly to people we feel close to because we feel safe with them. Mm -hmm. But a healthy boundary, a healthy split rail is, I am going to treat you always with respect. Mm-hmm. Even when I'm angry, I'm going to use words that are I-focused, like I feel mm-hmm. this way instead of you did. Mm-hmm. I feel this way, and I am going to I am going to commit to you to be honest that if I can't have this conversation with you right at this moment, that I'm going to ask for a timeout. Mm-hmm. I used to I used to call them mommy timeouts when my kids were little <laughs> because I was at a point with my children where I could not I could not tr- deal with the situation at hand in a healthy manner. Okay. And so I would tell my kids mommy has to go in a timeout. So that, you know, I equate that even on the adult level of maybe I need the timeout, not you. I need it so that I oh, can yeah. get my emotional. I, I take timeouts to save my children from me all the time. <laughs> but some, we have to do that yeah. in our adult relationships mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, and, and you're not accusing the other person. It's me. Mm-hmm. I am going to take a Because step you back. took accountability for what you needed right. and stepped out of that victim mindset. And so you are owning your needs, which mm-hmm. is such a grown-up life skill. <laughs> yes. So yes, mommy timeouts, us timeouts, healthy boundaries, those are important for the relationships that we want. We talked a little bit about cutoffs and kind of conflict resolution with my producer, Mike, a couple episodes back. And um, we kind of talked about the levels of boundaries with people Mm -hmm. and um, what might be possible and what might not be possible in a relationship. And so the thing is, is if you begin to practice boundaries earlier, in the relationship, you have a far higher likelihood of greater intimacy and saving the need to put up anything higher or more mm-hmm. intense or brick walls or, you know, that you're so hurt that you want to put up the barbed wire in your life. So right. if you do it early and well, your relationship has a far greater chance of survival than allowing them to trample all over your lawn until you're ready to move them on the other side of the mountain. Yes. And boundaries are something we continually learn. And we mm-hmm. continually improve. Yeah. So this is not something that it's a one and done. <laughs> and, and that's what the tricky part about it is learning the boundaries. But that's also the tricky part of building stability mm. in your life. Mm-hmm. And then the next one is L, which is means listen actively. Now, you know, as a counselor, that there are different kinds of listenings. Often when we're in a conversation with another person, we're thinking about how we're going to rebut 
or answer or top their story or something else. Yes. Active listening, if you're doing it well, takes your entire body. It does. You know, you are looking at them in their eyes. I mean, I think when my my children were little and I was teaching them how to stop and listen, Mm -hmm. what did I ask them to do? Look me in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Well, as adults, I don't know that we have ever learned that lesson really well. I know there are times when I know I'm not actively listening because I'm not looking you in the eye. Mm. But I'm actively listening. I am turning off all judgment. Mm -hmm. I'm not preconceiving what Mm -hmm. you're going to say to me or what you think. Here's one way in in um, relationships that you've been in for a long time, you can know if you're not actively listening, if you continually interrupt the other person and try to finish their sentences. Mm, I'm, I'm so guilty so of it. I'm so attacked right now, Kirsten. <laughs> Sorry, but I'm, I'm guilty so of it. Attacked. I do it to my kids all the time. Mm-hmm. I anticipate what they're going to say and try to answer them ahead of time. And they're like, Mom, you didn't even listen to me. And I'm like, I didn't. You're right. Yes. And when we do that, Rachel, we're not showing respect. Mm-hmm. And I'm guilty of this. I mean, I'm only telling you stuff that I'm learning and Mm -hmm. I'm struggling and Mm -hmm. I fight to learn. But active listening takes everything. It means suspending judgment. It means I'm so interested in you and what you're telling me that I am going to stop everything else. And Mm -hmm. in today's world with all of our distractions, that is so hard to do. It's huge. I mean, in your phone, right? Uh, just, yeah. just put down your phone. <laughs> like that is, yes. oh man, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I um, was listening to Craig Groeschel's leadership podcast and he said the average person mm-hmm. touches their phone over 2,000 times a day. And an active person is over 5,000. I know. It's just crazy. Blew my mind. I was like, oh, that's gross. Oh, but do you know why gross. we do that? I got it. Because it gives us dopamine. Yes. It gives us little Instant hits. Gra- gratification. Yeah, absolutely. And we are addicted to that. Yes. It's very uh, affirming in the pathways in the brain. So mm-hmm. if your spouse is frustrated that you're listening or not listening well and you're on your phone, that is step number one. You know, you can't give somebody eye contact when you're looking at your phone. Yep. So, okay. Seek God. Tell the truth. Accountability. Building healthy boundaries actively listening and e emotional intelligence okay i know this this is a buzzword today Mm -hmm. but when i was recovering from the suicidal depression what i realized was i had gone through a traumatic experience as a child and i was emotionally stuck there so Mm -hmm. i would get into these um situations that were difficult, Mm -hmm. whether it was on the job whether it was with my children whether it was a disagreement with my friends or with my spouse or whatever And as I was beginning to recover, I realized I was responding as that child Mm -hmm. because emotionally I didn't know how to, didn't know how to do it. Well, if you think growing up in the normal process is tough, I mean, I remember my teenage years, I didn't want to go back through them again. Right. Here I was in my mid Mm forties and I had to go from this child to a mid 40 woman in a span of months emotionally. So we call this arrested development. What happens is when you are damaged by a traumatic event, that part of you stops developing emotionally any further than that. So if you get into a conflict and you're like, wow, I feel 15 right now, Mm -hmm. or man, you're, 
using like very much younger, right? Like mm-hmm. less language, less functioning. I'm like six right now. That's something to take to a trusted yes. mentor, friend, or counselor and say, why am I bringing a six-year-old part of myself to a conflict right now? Yeah. So developing this emotional intelligence mm-hmm. is very key in being able to heal broken relationships. Mm-hmm. If you're dealing with someone who does have good emotional intelligence, their emotional intelligence has developed in a normal manner, and there's a conflict with a person who doesn't, who has been in that arrested development, mm-hmm. I mean, it's really hard oh. to to come to a realistic resolution of yeah. that of that issue. Well, you're not arguing with, with a peer in no. that place, and you're arguing with a traumatized 12-year-old, right. a traumatized 15-year-old. You're not, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Whoever they're bringing that has that pain point where they didn't grow past that, yep. those are not, those, that's not logical. You know, mm-hmm. I love our mutual friend, Christy, always would tell me feelings don't have brains. That's right. They they come to us by a reasonable manner, like something happened to us that we interpreted yep. in a certain way, but it doesn't mean that it's logical, right, or true. Right. And so you're not operating with somebody who's meeting you at an even playing field. Mm-hmm. Very true. And you've got to understand in that situation, if you're the one who has is not emotionally responding in an intelligent manner in that situation, that's a red flag for you. Yes. And it's, it's okay at that point to say, I need help. Mm-hmm. I need help. And it doesn't mean you're any less of a person. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, anything's really bad. It just means you need help. Mm-hmm. You need help to learn how to move from where you got stuck to where you are today and then to accept it take your ownership take your accountability mm-hmm. and begin to to do what you need to do to, to get do healthy work. to do the work you can't heal a broken relationship with another person if you're not willing to do the work yourself mm-hmm. and you've got to do it and if you've got two people who know they're both broken, because mm-hmm. let's face it, we're all broken. We're yeah. all messes. We are. We're a mess every people single day. Are messy. Yep. If you've got two people who are looking at each other and going, I'm a mess, you're a mess, but we're fighting on the same team. Mm. We're on the same side. You got a fighting chance because you're pulling together. You know, I, I picture myself sitting in a rowboat or in a canoe and if you've got one person paddling one way and one person paddling the other way, you ain't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You're stuck fast. It's really funny that you use that example because I've heard of a, a two-person canoe rental and the um, people who rented them out to you uh, to take them out called them divorce boats. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> because you would get so frustrated if you couldn't come into alignment with yep. your partner rowing that canoe that you would want to get divorced when you got back on shore. <laughs> That's right. Because when you're not pulling together, mm-hmm. you're not communicating together, mm-hmm. you're not you're not understanding that you each have each other's back. The whole reason that you're doing this walk together through life is because you're better together Mm. than you are apart. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we get these wounds in our marriages, when we get these issues that come up, we start to wonder, we Mm -hmm. doubt, Mm -hmm. you know, is it worth it? Yes. Well, the problem is we always forget that wherever you go, you are there. You take you with yourself with yourself. Yep. And so, yes, you might be struggling in a marriage, but statistically, 
the the people who get divorced and then get remarried, the statistics of them divorcing are higher mm-hmm. because they didn't, didn't resolve. You didn't learn the lesson. You, you brought yourself into the new marriage. Right. You brought it all with you. Uh-huh. You know, you, you hear about everybody has baggage. Well, I just moved in. We moved in a year ago to a new home. Mm-hmm. And I was standing unpacking boxes. And we had packed very quickly because God sold our home very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a beautiful thing. And then provided this new place. And it was a beautiful thing. And I'm standing here unpacking boxes. And I start pulling things out of this box. And I'm like, why in the world did I pack that? Should have gone in the <laughs> trash. But I brought it with me. Yeah. And as I stood there unpacking that box, I realized that's my life. Mm. If I don't deal with the trash mm-hmm. and get rid of it, mm-hmm. take care of it, I take it with me wherever I go. Right. And so if you want to have stability in your marriage, you got to start doing the, the S-T-A-B-L-E. You've got to seek God. You've got to tell the truth. You have to accept accountability. You have to build healthy boundaries. You have to listen actively. And then you practice that emotional intelligence. Mm. That is so hopeful, Kirsten. That is is so hopeful because I think that many times um, people come into marriage having heard that it will be hard, but not having any idea how hard and then not having the tools Mm -hmm. to work through the hard. And what you just gave us is an incredible tool for our tool belt to start taking stock of what's happening and actually approaching it in a practical and tangible way. You guys, we are so blessed to have had this time with Kirsten. And if you would like to connect with her about Aftershock Recovery, and honestly, she's an incredible mentor on marriage and parenting and personal growth and so many amazing topics. You can get to her at Kirsten, K-I-R-S-T-E-N-D-Samuel.com. And a reminder that she has offered the listeners of the Hopecast the incredible offer of a free copy of her book plus $9 shipping, choosing a way out when the bottom is not the bottom. And KirstenDSamuel.com forward slash Rachel is where you're going to find that. And I will put that in the show notes and I will be promoting that on my content as well. Thank you so much guys for tuning into this episode of the Hopecast with Rachel Flick. I look forward to connecting with you again on next week's episode. Be blessed. You've been listening to the Hopecast with Rachel Flick. To find out more, go to rachelflick.com. While you're there, you can book Rachel for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. Go to rachelflick.com to book her today. While you're online, you can discover more information about all of the platforms that this podcast is on. Also, be sure to click on the social media icons at the top of the page, and you will be directed to Rachel's social media sites. If you listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate if you would subscribe and leave us a review. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time for another edition of the Hopecast with Rachel Flick.